Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors. Uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Hey, I want to get you an update from Nick Simonson. Yes, you know Nick Simonson from Dakota Edge, dakotaedge.com, and he is an award-winning outdoors communicator. He is a Valley City native, a UND grad, and he has spent his lifetime uh, in the outdoors across North Dakota and Minnesota, and he does some fantastic work for Dakota Edge Outdoors. I want to encourage you to check that out, dakotaedge.com. You can find him on Facebook. That give us a little better idea of what Central North Dakota is uh, is dealing with in the outdoors this week. Thanks for having me back, Doug. It is always good to catch up, and it's always good to keep people informed about what's going on out there on the water and in the field. And it doesn't take much this week. Simply look out the door. It's a winter wonderland. Everything is very, very white. Everything is very, very cold. And this means some serious changes are afoot for our wildlife species here in North Dakota. And it's a duality of sorts. As we look around the Bismarck area, we got gut-punched pretty hard early in November and now a second swatting of snow more than 14 inches on the ground followed by a strong blast on the eastern portion of the state the day following as that low pressure circled around the eastern part of the state got hammered with snow as well so this is very telling for what's to come you know when we have these winters that run November to April it can be very very challenging not only for our hunters here as we finish out the upland season but also for the wildlife that we chase as huntable game particularly ring-neck pheasants. And why, number one, hunters, you're getting out there here the last two weeks of the season or so, you're going to find a lot of snow on the ground, and that is pushing those birds into that deeper habitat because that is where they go to stay warm. They don't have the house that you and I have. They don't have the apartment or a nice place to stay warm. They've got to find the deepest, warmest cover where they can hole up and prevent that wind from blowing on them and that snow from getting on them where they can kind of huddle up and stay warm in the overnights. And that's where hunters need to start in the mornings here as the season season closes out because those pheasants they will bunker down that light breeze is going to carry their scent so start on the downwind side with your dog of those deep sloughs because that is where the pheasants are going to be and that's where your dog is going to pick up the scent the best but as this season closes there's one thing I want you to pay attention to that's the early start of winter like I said western North Dakota you don't see a whole lot of the sloughs and in western North Dakota we got hit very very hard Bismarck and West by an early November snowstorm that just didn't completely melt I would say three quarters or, or five six of the snow is still on the ground in massive amounts and then we had an additional 14 plus fall in the last few days while i was walking around in that uh, lamore barnes county area last weekend i saw a lot of habitat on the ground a lot of dense cover willow thickets pine plantings but most importantly all of those cattail sloughs which remain number one that is just wildlife cover your deer use that your pheasants use that and all of our watchable wildlife finds a spot in or around those cattail sloughs and a lot of operators have focused on keeping that habitat in the ground not only for the game but also to prevent soil erosion and to keep our waters clean and prevent flooding in the spring so there's a lot of benefits to that most importantly though if you're a hunter that's what keeps our pheasant population alive in a cold cold winter if we get a 96 97 type winter again or an 08 09 10 type scenario it's going to be challenging and that's what hunters are going to want to watch and that's what our landowners are hopefully offsetting with their conservation practices so keep an eye on both of those finish the hunting season 
season strong, hit that habitat and find those birds. As always, Doug, it's great to catch up with you. Happy holidays to you and yours. Appreciate that report. That is Nick Simonson, Dakota Edge Outdoors. Check out dakotaedge.com and make sure that you find Dakota Edge on Facebook. Thanks so much, Nick. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. And uh, we were at Shields, and on this segment, we're going to chat with a buddy, Mr. Jaden Thomas. Jaden is one of the uh, fishing managers, and uh, we are going to talk about ice electronics. You know, three things that they all have, big ticket items. They have ice electronics, they have a house, and they have an auger. Then it, you know, then you got all the smaller stuff, rods, tackle, all that kind of stuff. Most anglers tend to upgrade one of those three every year. That means a third of the ice anglers out there right now are looking at upgrading their ice electronics. So we wanted to chat with you a little bit about what they might be looking for. You know, let's start with flashers. The flashers have been around for a long time. Everybody says with the new age electronics that flashers are going away. But I personally do not believe that that will ever happen. How about you? No, I 100% agree with you, Scott. You know, as much press and shine as, you know, the forward-facing sonar gets these days, I think I think a lot of people got to remember it, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's just another tool in the arsenal, you know. Every tool has a specific job and a time where it shines best. You know, if you want to break down water and find fish, forward-facing sonar is very tough to beat just because of how much ground you can cover so quickly and efficiently. At the end of the day, that's the name of the game, right? But when you're actually going to hole hop, when you pin these fish down, you want to fish, a flasher is still the, the way to go. It's, it's unbeatable. You can't beat the target separation of flasher, the speed, the response time. And, uh, you know, that gets more important, especially when you're talking like hand fish, really finicky walleyes, where you need to make, you need to know exactly when that fish is on your lure versus even a couple inches away still, and when still deciding how to, if it's going to close the deal. So a flasher uh, should definitely remain in people's arsenal, should definitely be on people's list of things to get or wish list of things they hope to get this holiday season you know Jaden, there's a lot of different options in the flasher market right uh, to scott's point you know we've, we've used flashers for for generations now what is it someone who's out shopping what are some of the things that that you recommend as an advisor to consider when they're trying to pick one out you know I, I think it's important to understand when you're looking for the right flasher for you you know when you're out shopping locally is you know what what kind of fishing do you do? You know, and I guess what I mean by that is like, really, what are you targeting? Um, or, you know, around our country, you know, here in East North Dakota, the border, border of Minnesota, you know, walleyes and perch are pretty king come ICs. You know, panfish, obviously, you get more in Minnesota, dominate as well. But just for the sake of argument, let's talk walleyes, perch, and even bluegills too. Usually are very bottom orientated, right? So then the deeper you get, the more important it's going to be to have like a zoom feature on your flasher. You know, like, for example, if we're talking Vexlar, uh, that comes standard and everything, FL18 and up. Uh, if we're talking Markham, I believe that starts with either the M1 or the M3, where you get a five-foot zoom, and it, it's standard and through everything, uh, standard throughout the rest of their line. But that zoom is so important when you're talking about bottom-orientated fish, because the deeper you get, you know, the more compressed uh, and the, the, your picture gets on your flasher screen. But when you have a zoom feature, what it does is it basically splits your screen in half where you see the entire water column on the right side. Say you're in 20 feet of water, all 20 feet will be on your right side. But that bottom five or six feet, depending on the brand of flash you go with, 
will be on your left side. And that just gives you a magnified zoom where once again, we're talking about the best target separation possible. When you're talking finicky fish or just cold water period fish in general, it usually takes some coaxing to get the bite. And you need to know exactly when that fish is right on top of you versus still sitting a couple inches off, off, off from you deciding whether or not it wants to bite or not. So that's where a zoom feature becomes very critical. And I, I recommend that to be the standard in any flasher a guy wants to get. You know, Jaden, and, and I believe that Markham has a movable zoom to take that one step further. Uh, you know, your standard zoom is just the bottom, but if you're fishing suspended crappies, you're fishing tulabies, rainbow trout, that kind of thing, um, that movable zoom comes in pretty handy too. You know, what, one of the things that I think it's really important when you're picking out a flasher is who you're picking it out for, how experienced are they um, in any type of electronics. It, it doesn't matter if it's a flasher or if it's uh, the flat screens or if it's a, a forward-facing sonar because there's a big learning curve as you go through that. And it's the same with flashers. There can be a big learning curve. And I think it's really important to know the experience of the angler uh, before they purchase a unit. No, I think you're exactly right, Scotty. Like you look at any of the all across all brands of flash, you know, there's several models in each brand and there's a reason for that. You know, there's different bells and whistles, obviously the higher, higher you go, the more you're willing to spend kind of the more flash and bang you're going to get with those, those flashers. Yet as simple as flashers are to read and usually most people can pick them up pretty quick. If you're still starting with a beginner, you know, you don't necessarily want to hand them maybe an LX7 or a Vexlar FLX28, you know, something that's going to come loaded with five or six features, they might not even understand. They don't even understand how a, how a flasher works to begin with. So that's where probably something just more entry level and price point is just a better option. One, it helps your pocketbook a bit, but it also like just, it, it's going to alleviate you from getting frustrated. And what I've learned is the, the quicker or more frustrated people get when fishing, the less likely are they get, are going to continue the sport. And that's not what anyone wants. You know, if you want people to get into fishing and to stay into fishing. So I think you hit exactly right. You know, there's tons of different options out there, but I think you got to understand say what maybe your skill level is, or, or if you're shopping for someone else, what their skill level is, where are they at in their fishing, you know, journey and just getting the right option for them. And that's why we have so many options. Well, I tell you what, here's something that I think any skill level individual uh, can really benefit from. And that is an underwater camera being able to see what's down there, being able to see how the fish react to their lure. It's uh, it's an incredible learning tool. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the lineup of cameras that you've got there at Shields. Yeah, we got a full line of cameras here. We got great options from both Vexlar, we got Aquaview, and then we have Markham, uh, one of our best sellers. And probably one of the more popular kind of cameras last few years has been, uh, you know, kind of the, the pocket size cameras, those three to five inch screens, one of our best sellers. And one of my favorites is going to be that Markham Pursuit HDL, uh, HD, uh, picture. And then the L stands for lithium. So lithium battery, it's going to last forever, run a long time. And a camera is really invaluable. I think again, you know, forward facing sonar gets all the shine because you can see fish far away and move, see them move in real time. But a camera is really invaluable for a couple of reasons. One, it allows you to, it, I use a camera a lot, not necessarily just for fishing, but for understanding what's going on below the surface. You know, a camera's great for fi- seeing if the weeds are still alive, you know, green weeds. Green weeds are an A-plus when you're talking about structure underneath the ice. Everything gravitates toward green weeds in the winter, whether it's panfish, walleye, pike. Um, also great for finding bottom composition, you know, where does it go from sand to silt to mud to rock? You, a lot of times, if you're in heavy rock, too, you drop a camera down, those fish can kind of hide in different kinds of sonar, but if you drop a camera on those rocks, you can see fish sitting inside those rock crevices as clear as day. Um, 
also, if you're, again, we're talking about finicky fish, you know, I can't tell you how many times I fish bluegills or perch and it just, you feel like you're never getting bites or just being super finicky. You drop a camera down, you see those fish can inhale a wax worm in the jig and exhale it so quick, like less than a second. It's something that even a spring bobber doesn't pick up. A lot of times a camera can save your day on the ice just because you can pick up the finicky fish. One thing I think a lot of people sleep on too is I use a camera a lot out in the boat for open water, you know, just, you know, pre-fish for tournaments or even just trying to understand maybe exactly what species I'm fishing for. The greater our electronics are, they still don't tell you, you know, what's a walleye, what's a sucker. I fall into that trap too many times pre-fish for tournaments. But I think, uh, I think a lot of more people should use an underwater camera year round. I mean, and the best time to buy an underwater camera is during the ice season. You know, we talk, not only is it the season for it, but you're talking holidays, like we have our ad going on where you can stop into your local shields and then you can buy it at a great deal. Now you have a camera for all year round. So Jaden, I, I, you know, we, we don't got a whole lot of time left here, but one thing I want to say, um, cameras are very, very popular with the hard house guys because they can hook them up to their TV. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them you can hook up to your TV and you can watch it. But I think a lot of guys, if that's why their their main reason for buying it, might be missing the boat a little bit because really the best use of it, if you're a hard house guy, is to figure out exactly, I mean down to the right, to the last foot, to where to put that fish house. Because if you know exactly where you're putting it, based on what the camera is telling you, then you're going to be a lot more successful. Jaden, we got to close up here, but... All the stuff that we've talked about, it's all on sale right now during this sale. I highly recommend people come in, uh, talk to Jaden, talk to other guys like Jaden, and uh, because all these guys are Shields experts, they can put you on the electronics you need. Jaden, thank you very much for coming on Gone Outdoors. Absolutely. Always a pleasure speaking with you guys. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.